worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, he holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We sing to the God.
I feel like when I sing that song, I think of the ancient people who worshiped the same God, right? How incredible to think he's been faithful to his people over all these generations. We're gonna sing this next song that really kind of turns more from, we praise you, God, you're good, you are the ancient of days, to kind of a, a humble state of confession before the Lord, saying how much we need him. And I'm gonna take this moment to confess to you, my church, that there's been times in my life where I've actually sung this song and thought later, and even told people later, I, I don't need the Lord every hour, like this song says. And I'm so grateful for his mercy that's carried me through and shown me what pride there was in my life to think that I didn't need the Lord every moment of the day. Funny thing about being open to the Lord coming and showing me my pride is he's like, well, there's some over here too. And while we're at it, here and here and here. And, and you know, when we just live this life of submission that says, okay, I get it, face down, show me the crumbs deep in the kitchen. Do you know what I'm saying? This is just my testimony and my journey that, that I've, I've walked through in regards to this song that I can stand here and tell you that I do in fact need the Lord every moment. And that I hope and pray that as we sing this song that you can take this through your week and be reminded in every moment that you need the Lord too. So let's sing this together. Lord, I come and I confess Bowing here, I find my rest. Cause without you, oh, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you. Oh, I
temptation comes my way. When I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Oh, Jesus, you're my hope and stay. Teach us, Lord, teach my song to rise to you.
of you, God, that you are unshakable, that no matter what kind of times or troubles, trials that we go through, that you are our anchor. God, may we as a people call on you and cling to you, point to you in everything that we say and do, everything that we say and do, that it may bring glory to your name. Would you just continue to make yourself known to us through the rest of this service, Lord, in the, the honoring of our graduates and in the words that uh, Pastor Josh is going to bring to us. God, we just ask that we would hear from you and that we would leave this place changed because of you and your goodness. We love you, Lord, and let our lives look like that. Amen. Good morning. It is great to see you all. Uh, on this beautiful day. Uh, this is when we usually do our connection moment, and this is our connection moment. And uh, our connection moments, if you remember, they started as uh, simply connecting our young people to the congregation and helping you all to know what's going on. And so we obviously have something very uh, special and significant that we're going to celebrate today uh, in graduation Sunday. I do want to mention just real quick before we jump into recognizing our grads, um, because it has to do with young people, younger people, but not quite as young. Um, our college students, uh, we're going to be doing a summer college age, uh, so whether you're in college or not, but that age group, so 18 to whatever you want to consider college-ish age, 22, 3, 4, 5, it's fine, whatever, we don't care. If you want to pretend like you're young, it's fine. Um, well, anyway, I'm completely going off track here. Uh, we'll be doing a college-age gathering uh, every week on Thursdays at 7 o'clock. And what we're going to do is kind of, uh, kind of uh, do a tour of the Marysville Parks because we've got a lot of them. And so uh, there will be a different one each week, but that will all get communicated. What I need you to know is this Thursday at 7, uh, we'll be at Elger Park, kind of around Shelter B. So, again, that's college-age uh, group gathering starting at 7 o'clock this Thursday at Elger. So it'll be a good time. It's always good to see our college students uh, back here. Braylon, I just saw you back there. Hey, man, it's good to have you back. College. Bateses, I see you guys over there. Wyatt, I'm missing, I'm sure. But it's always good to see our college-age crew come back for the summer. Um, and so there's that. So let's, we're going to recognize our, our graduates. Is that okay? And uh, so I'm going to call them up here, and you're going to make them feel like they are the most important people in the entire universe. All right, so McCoy and Lizzie, will you guys come up here? There we go. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> All right. There's a smile. McCoy's been scowling that whole time. I'm like, surely she's going to smile when she comes up here. So we're going to recognize our graduates. I do. Uh, so um, Kayla Masseri is also graduating uh, this year. And wouldn't you know it that Marysville was scheduled to graduate uh, yesterday, but the rain happened, and so uh, their graduation is happening. Well, it's, it's actually happening right. Is that? Well, no, I can't tell time. It's 
It's at 10. So she's not here. So we're going to celebrate Kayla. She's going to be in the, in the slideshow. And, uh, and then hopefully he'll be back next week. And you all can, uh, can uh, show your congratulations to her uh, next week. Also, while I'm on that note, uh, right after this first service, we will have some pastries over in the well. And uh, there's also card boxes uh, out there for each of our grads. And so if you want to drop some goodies in there, and by goodies, I mean cash, gift cards, uh, anything like that. College tuition, am I right? I mean, whatever it is that you want to drop in there, feel free to do that. Green's graduation is this evening, I think four to seven, is that right? At whatever township building is on Watkins Road. What township is that? I don't know. Mill Creek Township, thank you. I played softball there, right, a long time ago. But, uh, but yeah, so make sure you show your graduates, uh, our graduates, how much we love them. So let's introduce them to you, first of all. Um, so first of all, we have Lizzie Green. Everybody cheer for Lizzie. Yeah. Lizzie. Lizzie is graduating from Fairbanks High School, and uh, she is going to be going to Wright State. Right? Wright State. And uh, she will be uh, majoring in social work. And so uh, Lizzie has passion for people and helping people and justice, and I love it. I love watching her. And, uh, and so social work is going to be awesome, and she's going to do incredible things. I know it, for sure. Lizzie, congratulations. Yeah. All right. Wrong one. I can't read names. You switched it up here. Uh, next, we have McCoy Green. Everybody cheer McCoy. Yeah. So McCoy is also graduating from Fairbanks High School, and uh, her plans are still to be determined, right? Unless you've had an epiphany over the last week that I don't know about. If you do, you can share. Okay. Okay. So she's trying to figure that out still, um, but McCoy has so many skills and talents. If you know McCoy, like she just uh, oozes talent and skill out of her, and so it's a joy to watch that, and so there is no doubt in my mind that whatever she pursues, she is just going to champ, and it's going to be awesome. And I'm getting choked up now, so you can cheer. Listen, McCoy, congratulations. Yeah. Um, as I was sitting back here, I was thinking, this is my third class that I've got to watch all the way through, from seventh grade uh, through seniors. And that's just stinking awesome. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I love, I love my teens, I love my young people, uh, and to watch them go and do incredible things and then come back for the summer and, and see their smiling faces and then watch them graduate college. We have a number of college graduate, graduates graduates uh, this year, and so actually I think there's going to be some, uh, through email and Facebook posting, we're going to kind of celebrate them throughout the next couple of weeks, and so just the privilege that it is for me to watch, uh, watch our young people uh, graduate and do incredible things for Jesus is, uh, it's, it's incredible. And so I love you girls, and I'm so proud of you. Can we cheer for them again so I can stop crying? You girls can go ahead and have a seat. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so as you know, it is our tradition that we, uh, we also do a little bit of a, uh, a video slideshow. And so uh, kind of we do it different each year depending on how many grads we have. And so um, it's, it's short enough that we get to show it in each of the services. And so uh, we're going to check this out with messages from parents as well.
Elizabeth, congratulations on your high school graduation. One of the qualities that I've seen grow in you is your work ethic, your willingness to help out others, your willingness to stay after hours to get the job done. And I see that not only at work, but also in school. That quality will take you many, many places and give you amazing opportunities. Use it when you go to Wright State University and that will take you far. You will be very successful. May God bless you on your journey as you start to enter this next phase of your life. Love you, Dad. Lizzie, James 1.12 says, those who stand firm during testing are blessed. They are tried and true. They will receive the life God has promised to those who love him as their reward. Your life has brought many trials and changes, but they have formed you into the beautiful young lady you are today. I am so incredibly proud of your determination, work ethic, and responsibility, all traits that will make you successful in college and life. Go spread your wings, enjoy college, and let Jesus shine in your life. I love you, Mom. McCoy, Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will succeed. What a talented young lady you are, from baking to singing and playing the piano. It is my prayer that you will take these talents and glorify God, whether it be at college, in the workplace, or at home. Wherever life's journey takes you, I pray that God will be first in your life. I love you, Mom. McCoy, congratulations on your high school graduation. Through the years, it's been a joy to be your father. I love watching things happen in your life that just make me smile. Anywhere from your piano playing, your singing, to losing your phone. One of these days I'd like to produce a book, Where's My Phone? I will miss those times as you continue on this next phase of your life. God has blessed you with many talents. And I pray that you would just use them to glorify him. I love you, Dad. Okay. I, I generally preach on graduation Sundays, which is, which is awesome. The message is pretty similar year after year, right? Go and do awesome things and be wonderful, right? Um, so I... I as I'm trying to figure out what in the world is it that, that I want to preach, uh, I'm, I, I like to preach from the lectionary. Uh, there's just something about tradition and church history, uh, people who are way smarter than me, figuring out a system of working through scripture throughout the years, uh, and then the church universal doing the same thing. I love it. And so typically when I'm preaching, I'll first go to the lectionary and, uh, and see what is in there. And as I, as I was looking through that, 
leading up to this week, I, I kind of, it was one of those where you're like, this is graduation Sunday, like I'm not, you know, there's, there's a handful of different passages in the lectionary, and, uh, and thinking through, like, man, I, I, I'm not really sure about this. And so as I, as I started looking through, though, and, I, and as I was thinking about graduation and what that means on, on, the, on the side of the graduates and figuring out what is next in your life, I, I came to one of the passages, and I was like, this is it. This is, this is good. So I think that this, is, this, is, this fits well for our graduation Sunday. But before we dive in, let me ask a question. Where are my planners at? One planner, Mary. Okay, we got a few planners. Okay, all right. So like when you, if you're going to do a road trip, my planners, you guys are the ones who are like, every detail is planned out. I know where, I know where we're going. I know what time we're going to be there. Mary, I see you back there. <laughs> yeah, the, our planners. Okay, on the other hand, Where's my, like, nope, no plan. I just know that I'm getting the heck out of here, and I don't know where I'm going. I'm just going to go, and I'm going to stop. Okay, there we go. That's more my type right there. Just go wherever, right? There's this spectrum of planning. There's a spectrum, a spectrum of figuring out details in life, and it's not just road trips, but it's all of life. Sometimes we, we plan, and sometimes we just want to just fly by the seat of our pants. Um, the first mission trip that I did with my teenagers. Uh, it was called BYKH. Uh, BYKH is the first, Anna, were you, did you go to BYKH? Jack, did you go to BYKH the first one? I couldn't remember. It's been, it's been I think, six or seven years ago. I don't know. Um, first, BYKH, Be Your Kingdom here. We did a, we did a road trip, um, and we, uh, basically what we did is we just, uh, we, we stopped at several, Samuel, you were there, right? Yeah, so uh, we stopped at several different uh, locations on a road trip, and we would stop at places, and we would serve and work, uh, but we'd also kind of just explore, like, what has God up to in these different contexts? It was a phenomenal trip, um, but be, leading up to that trip, I stepped out of my comfort zone, and I planned like crazy, right? I still have the spreadsheet on my computer where I literally planned out every 15 minutes of our trip, like where we were going to stop and pee, right? Like no, that didn't actually happen. It never works, right? I, I knew where we were going to stop for lunches, for dinners, things. Like, I had everything planned out. Every 15 minutes, I knew exactly where we were going to be. And if you've ever done a road trip with yourself, but also with young people, you know that that doesn't work, right? I also preach. If you've, if if uh, if any young people in here have been on a trip with me, uh, when I'm going, when we're going on a trip, when we're doing something, really anything. I preach the F word, right? Which is what? Flexibility, right? Some of you guys are worried, like, what's he talking about? Flexibility. I preach flexibility. We can have a plan. We can think that this is what we're going to do. But as we're doing this, we will be flexible. We need to be flexible because plans will change. Things will, will happen, and we're just going to have to be flexible. Well, today we are we're celebrating our graduates. And as they have been finishing up their, their high school time, uh, they've also been working on their plans for what is next, coming up with that plan for what does their future hold. Now, as we heard, some are further than others in their plans, but that's okay, right? Uh, they're, they're figuring out what is it that God has for me next. In the series that we've been talking about, we've been, we've been looking at this idea of come out of that grave. And what we've been doing is we started with the story of Lazarus. And if you remember in the story of Lazarus, um, 
Jesus tells the people around to take off his grave clothes, right? Jesus brought him back to life, and they say to take off his grave clothes. And so we've used that as a kind of a, a way of looking at this idea that God is calling us to let go of dead things in our lives. And so we've been looking at this idea, what does it look like for, uh, for us personally to let go of dead things in our lives, but, and also communally? What does it look like collectively for us to help each other kind of shed those dead things in our lives so that we can grab hold of God and grab hold of those life-giving things in our lives? And so we, we looked at different things that we let go of. We looked, at, um, we looked at this idea of letting go of sin in our life. And then we looked at uh, letting go of shame in our lives. And then last week, uh, Brian Nurick shared with us about letting go of the past so that we can grab hold of what God has in store for us. And today, as we, again, as we look at the scripture for us and as we think about our graduates and, and creating plans for what is next, here's what I want us to talk about. We're going to look at this idea of letting go of our plans. Letting go of our plans. Now, right off the bat, let me start by saying, perhaps it would be better for me to say, loosening our grips on our plans, rather than letting go of our plans completely. Because I want you to hear me say, from the get-go, plans are not bad. Plans are not bad. Plans are good. In fact, I, would, I, I hope to show you that planning is okay, it's necessary, it's good. But I think when we hold so tightly to our plans, they can quickly become just that, our plans, rather than God's plans. So I want to jump into some, some scripture to, that will kind of help us, uh, help guide us through this exploration. What does it look like to kind of loosen the grip of our plans so that we can submit to God's plans in our lives. Before we jump into scripture though, what are when when you're thinking of a plan, think through what are some of those key elements or key components of a plan that you might come up with? Well, to start out with, you you you'll probably come up with a mission or a goal, right? You want to start with the end in mind. You want to know where you're going to go. You want to know what your mission is. You want to know what your goal is. You're going to start with that when you come up with a plan. Once you have your mission or your goal, what are you going to do next? Well, you're probably going to come up with your, your pathway or your steps in order to get there, right? You've got your end in mind. You know where you're going to go. Your next step in planning is how are we going to get there? What are the steps involved to get me to that mission or that goal? The third component, and this isn't like like this isn't, I'm not declaring that these are the only three components of a plan, right? I'm just, I'm just thinking through this, okay? The last part of a plan that we would come up with is this, anticipated results, right? We have our mission, our goal in mind. We have our steps to get there, and we have our anticipated results of what is going to happen. What's, what are going to be those results of our steps? What I want to do this morning is take a look at what, what exactly does it look like for a plan to be submitted to God. And in order to do that, we're going to look at a particular uh, part of the life of Paul. We'll be, we'll, be, uh, we'll be in Acts chapter 16. If you want to flip there, we'll, we'll read from that in just a few minutes. Or if you just want to listen, that's fine as well. But we're going to look at a, at a particular section of Paul's life. Let me catch you up, get you up to speed with where we're at in Paul's story. Paul had completed his first missionary tour. 
Right? He had gone out, he had, he had started churches, he had spread the gospel, preached the gospel, kind of built up the church in a bunch of different areas, and he had come back to Antioch, kind of his base, his home base, come back to Antioch, and, uh, and he, what he was doing is he was reporting his progress to the church. He was kind of telling the church uh, in his home base what was happening on the mission field, what had happened throughout his first uh, mission tour. And then as he, was, as he was there, he also attended the, cou- the council at Jerusalem. Acts chapter 15, you can find out about that. But basically, uh, the leaders of the church got together and they had to figure out some things and, and make some decisions uh, pertaining to non-Jewish converts uh, to Christianity. So uh, there, were, there were Gentiles who were converting to Christianity. And what the council of Jerusalem had to do was decide what which of the rituals and traditions uh, of the Jewish culture does a Gentile or a non-Jew convert to Christianity have to adhere to? In other words, which ones are kind of the essentials and which ones can we be okay without, uh, without demanding that? Circumcision was one of those that they said, you don't have to worry about that. Thank goodness, am I right? Okay, that didn't go over very well, did it, Todd? <laughs> They decided, they decided what were those things that the, that the uh, non-Jewish converts didn't need to worry about. What did they need to worry about? Those are the things that Paul was doing while he was at home. Next, Paul and a the group, then uh, they decide to depart for another kind of missionary tour. And of course, as they were getting ready to go on their second kind of missionary tour, I would imagine, now this isn't you know, necessarily in Scripture, but I would imagine that they came up with a plan of some sort. That him and his group, uh, they gathered together and probably came up with some sort of plan. Even you who, who said, I don't plan anything, like, let's be honest, you plan a little bit, right? Even if it's that road trip where you don't plan anything, like, you at least go put gas in the car, right? And you know that you're getting out of here. I hope that you... <laughs> I hope that you get, I see Marianne looking at you, Ryan, there, and I'm like, no, maybe you don't put gas in your car. Ryan probably just runs wherever he's going. Is that right? He's a runner, crazy. Uh, anyway, uh, chances are, Paul and his group of people, they came up with some sort of a plan. What were the parts of that, what were the parts of that plan? Well, it probably started with a goal. What was the goal of this missionary tour that Paul and his group went on. Well, one of the goals, one of the things that they were trying to do was they were trying to spread word about the decisions that were made at the council at Jerusalem. So those things that, were, that they had decided about uh, non-Jewish converts, Paul and his group, uh, one of their goals was to go and spread the word about that. Say, hey, you don't need to worry about this, but you do need to worry about that. That's what they were doing. But that was secondary to their main mission and goal of what they were doing. That was just a tool that they used to accomplish their main goal. And their main goal and their main mission was this, to continue to grow and strengthen the church. Their main goal, their main purpose, their main mission of their plan was to go and to continue to grow and strengthen the church. So Paul had his goal. Paul had the goal of what he was going to do. He was going to go build and strengthen the church. As we look through our components of a plan, what's next? The action steps. What are we going to do? As we read in scripture, uh, Paul had this plan. He would go to Syria, and then he would go to Derby, and then he would go to Lystra. Now, I'm just going to give a fair warning here. We're going to get into some names of cities and towns that I have no idea how to say. All right, I'm just going to make them up, and you're just going to ride with it, okay? You can correct me afterwards, and that's fine, all right? I don't know how to say these. I'm just going to make them up. So their plan, they go to Syria, and then they go to Derby, and then they go to Lystria. 
and things, Lystra, things were going well. The plan was working the way that they wanted to. In fact, in Acts chapter 16, verse 5, it says this, So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in numbers daily. So they had their plan. They came up with their goal. They came up with their mission. They came up with their steps to get there. They went to, uh, they went to Syria and then Derby and then Lystra. And scripture tells us that things were going well. Numbers were added daily. Their faith was strengthened. All is great. Let's continue the story from there, though. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. I told you these names are brutal. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and they went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So things were going well. Things, things were, their plan was working well. And then did you notice what happens next? In verse 6 and 7, it's almost small details in this grand story. Paul had a plan. He had a plan. He had step-by-step actions that he was going to take. After Syria and Derby and Phrygia and Galatia, his plan was that he would go to Asia. Why Asia? Well, it was likely because Ephesus was in Asia. Ephesus was, was sort of a, a central city of Asia. It's kind of, it was where the action was. If you want to make a big impact and you're trying to create a movement and get people to join your movement, you will likely go where the people are, right? You'll go where the commerce is, and that was Ephesus. And so that was Paul's plan. Paul had planned to go to Ephesus. But notice what happens in verse 6 and 7. Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit forbid them to speak in Asia. Okay, so God changes their plan. The Holy Spirit changes their plan. Then they thought they would go to Mysia, then Bithynia. What scripture tell us happens next? This time it says the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to enter. All of a sudden, Paul, who had these grand plans of strengthening and building the church, and, and things were going well, and he had his steps laid out, and things were going well, and then all of a sudden... They weren't. And you know what that's like, right? When you've made the best possible plans and you've got everything figured out and laid out and maybe even it starts out going well and then all of a sudden, they're not. Your plans are no longer working. In fact, they're not just working, but like the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, no, no. That's not what you're going to do. All of a sudden, your plans just aren't working out. And I think one of the things that we can be tempted to do is to use uh, this way of life and, and, and things that happen, this idea that, that the Holy Spirit changes these plans and Jesus has different plans and our plans don't work. And I think we can sometimes be tempted to use this as a reason to just not plan. 
right, to just fly by the seat of our pants, to just go wherever the Spirit would lead me without making any plans because the plans are going to change anyway. But I think that what we see in the life of Paul, specifically in this section of Scripture, is that it's okay to have a plan. It's okay to have a plan. In fact, I would argue that God gives us resources so that we can make plans. We can use our own common sense to make plans. We can use our reasoning abilities to plan. I would say that God even gives us gifts and skills and passions, and those things should all be taken into consideration when we are making our plans. Plans are okay. Plans are necessary. But then comes those times when our plans just aren't working anymore. Plans just aren't working the way that we had them laid out. And I think that there's one of two things that we can do here. All right, we can double down on our own plans. All right, we can say, I planned for this. I laid out all of these details. This has to work, and we can force things to fit into our plan. Like, this is going to work. If you've ever been around children, you know how difficult that can be, right? Like, we can have our plans. We can have our routines. We can have our structures. We can have our schedules. And then we have the kids, and those are all down the drain, right? Sometimes we can be tempted to just double down on our plans. This is going to work no matter what. No matter how many people I run over, no matter how, how bad the kids hate me, I'm just going to make this work. We can double down on our plans and we can just make it work. But the other thing I think we can do is we can pivot and we can submit to God's plans. <clears throat> we can loosen the grip that we have on our plans so that we can submit to and follow God's plans. And so I think it's worth looking a little bit further in this story to see what exactly happens as Paul loosens his grip on his plans and grabs hold of God's plan. So Paul and his group, they end up in Troas. Uh, they, had, uh, they had gone one direction. God said no to two other directions, and so that leaves one direction left. And so Paul and his group decide to go that way. And as they're in Troas, he has a vision of a man who is begging for help in Macedonia, begging them to come and help him. And so listen to the, to the, to the response of Paul and his group to this new plan. We immediately crossed over to Macedonia. Notice how loosely Paul is holding on to his own plans. We immediately crossed over to Macedonia. Let's continue the story in Scripture, Acts 16, verse 11. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. And the next day, we went on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed for several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and, and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. 
the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the other and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So they, Paul and his group, they set sail from Troas and they head straight to Samothrace, then to Neapolis, then to Philippi. Philippi is this leading city in the district of Macedonia. It's also very much a Roman colony. It has been colonized by Rome. And I think that there are significant things that can be said about that location and where this is taking place. There are significant things about, uh, that can be said about the fact that this was Lydia who was leading a household and the whole household was baptized because of Lydia. And I think that there's significant things that we could say there, but I just don't have time to dive into that this morning. There's significant things there, but I can't spend that much time on it. We got to talk about plans. We've talked about the goal. We've talked about the mission. We've talked about the steps or the action of a plan. So what's left? What's the last part of a plan? The results. The anticipated results, right? I think that sometimes we, uh, we, we pivot sometimes and we ultimately we submit to God's plans. And when we do that, when we've decided to follow God's plans, I think sometimes we can expect that because we're following God's plans to a T, there's no doubt in my mind that this is what God has for me. When we do that, we can oftentimes expect results to just come flooding in. Right, like I'm following God's will, I'm doing God's plan in my life. Surely the results that I expected are just going to come flooding in because I'm doing what God wants. I would imagine that that's what Paul and his group had anticipated. That they were certain that they were following God's plan, they were on the right track now, and these results were just going to start flooding in. I want to point your attention to another small detail in the scripture. No, I don't want to try to make too much of this uh, and read too much into it, but I can't help but noticing it, and I think that it may point us to a helpful reminder. It's after, after Paul and his group had decided to go towards Macedonia. At the end of verse 12, it says this, and we stayed there for several days. Again, that's all it says. I'm, I'm totally reading into this, and, that, and that's okay, all right? Just bear with me here. I think that sometimes we can get caught in this idea that if we're following God's plans, then the results are just automatically going to follow right away. What I see here is Paul say, or the, Luke saying that we stayed there for several days, almost as if a point to say that things just weren't happening. Right? We were waiting and waiting for several days, and things weren't happening. And I think that you know that feeling as well. Like you're sure that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, the results just aren't there. I think it's significant for us to remember that when we submit our plans to God, we are also submitting the results of that plan to God. See, it's not on us to produce the results. When it's God's plan, it's not on us to make things happen. The results belong to God. So let's talk just for a minute about the results that God produced as Paul and his entourage submitted their plans to God. What are the results? What happened? Well, we see in this passage that Lydia, Lydia, who was a, a purple cloth dealer, 
Um, context would tell us that she was probably wealthy. She had a household. She was leading a group of women in worshiping Yahweh. Scripture tells us that she was following Yahweh. She was she had bought into this uh, to this Jewish culture. She was worshiping Yahweh. We know that Lydia from Scripture was from uh, Thyatira. I don't know if that's how you say the, the 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 city, but Thyatira. Do you know where Thyatira is? It's in Asia. Now connect this dot. Do you remember? Where the Holy Spirit said no to the first time. Where was it? It was Asia. (laughs) The Holy Spirit says no to Asia. Go over here, Macedonia, and who's there? Lydia from Asia. (laughs) Had Paul not pivoted, had Paul held so tightly to, uh, to his own plans and not grasped God's plans, he would have missed that opportunity to welcome Lydia into the family. Scripture says that she was open to and received Paul's message, and then her entire household was baptized. There's also some evidence that suggests that it was because of this connection that Lydia, that, uh, with Lydia that Paul had such a strong relationship with the church in Philippi. The results likely weren't what Paul had in mind when he started making his plans. But the plan was ultimately submitted to God And therefore, the results belong to God. And for our text this morning, that's as far as we can go in the story. But if you were to continue to read, the list goes on and on about the results of them following God's plans. Loosening the grip of their own plans and submitting to God's plans. If you keep reading, you'll find that several other prominent people joined this movement because of their willingness to pivot. People that Paul likely didn't anticipate in his planning. Also in Philippi, we see the Roman jailer who converted and who joined and his entire household was baptized. Later in Thessalonica, we see that many prominent women joined the movement. Then in Berea, we see that prominent uh, Greek women and many Greek men had joined the movement. In Athens, we see uh, Dionysius, who was a member of the Greek uh, aristocratic council. We see him joining this movement. Later in Corinth, we see Crispus, who was the synagogue ruler, and Aquila and Priscilla, a wealthy couple who joined the movement because Paul and his group were willing to pivot their plans. They weren't holding so tightly to their own plans that they couldn't grasp hold of God's plans. See, when we make plans... God is in charge of the mission. It's God who sets the direction. And ultimately, it's God who determines the results. And those results are often far more significant than any results we could ever hope for or anticipate. What does that look like? How do you plan? More importantly, what does it practically look like to submit a plan to God? As we're celebrating our grads this morning, I think of the conversations that I've had with my teens over the years as they have prepared for the next step in their lives. I often get asked the question, how do I know what God's plan is for me? How do I know what's next in my life? And even as we look at this story in Acts, I think that there's some kind of methods that we see in figuring out what God's plan is. We see, I think, that sometimes God can speak, in, uh, speak to our plans in visions or dreams. I think he can do that. 
I think at times the Holy Spirit can close doors to things. Maybe it's closing doors simply through that gut feeling you get that's just, this is not right. Sometimes I think the Holy Spirit can, can uh, slam doors closed in more uh, practical, realistic ways. Like that job offer is just no longer on the table. I think the Holy Spirit can use those to pivot our plans. But I think that the single most significant way that we can submit our plans to God is found in a very small detail in the passage that we read. It's at the end of verse 10. It's after, um, it's after Paul had seen the vision of the man in Macedonia. And we see that they, that they automatically went to, toward Macedonia. After seeing the, the vision, it says, we went there concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. It's not even a well-spelled-out detail, detail here that I see, but to me, um, it sounds like this decision was made in a very communal way. As I'm reading this, it seems to me that it wasn't just Paul who had this vision and then decided to lead everybody else where uh, he thought he was supposed to go based on this decision. As I read this, as, I, as it says that uh, we concluded that God had called us to preach, it seems very communal to me. It seems as though Paul got together with his group that was traveling with him, and they discerned together what is God calling us to. Where is it that God is leading? And they made these decisions as a community. See, I think that when we are submitting our plans to God and we're figuring out what is next in our plans, this idea points us to a significant tool that God has given us. And it's our community. Do you have a plan in mind? you have a plan in mind that you're thinking about, but you're just not sure if this lines up with what God wants or God's plan? Can I encourage you this morning to use the tool of community in figuring that out? I tell my teens all the time, you have questions like this, when you're trying to figure this out, talk to people. Talk to people, talk to their small group leaders, talk to their parents, talk to me as their youth pastor. Seek wise counsel. Can I encourage you this morning? Explore God's plans together. When we try to figure it out all on our own, when we try to, try to figure this out, who knows where we will end up? Who knows where it will lead us? God gives us this incredible tool in figuring these things out, and it's your community. So my prayer this morning for our grads, but also our, my prayer this morning for all of us, would be that as we make plans in life, that we would not hold so tightly to those plans that we cannot pivot and we cannot submit those to God. Ultimately, it's my prayer that we would do that, that we would grab hold of God's plan together. That we would use the gift of community to figure out what is it that God has for us. Individually and collectively, what is it that God has for us? Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for the gift of community. Um, God, I truly believe that all of this life that you have called us to um, is centered in community. Even things like making plans and figuring out plans. So God, as we, uh, as we 
explore whatever it is that you have for us, individually and collectively as a church. God, we submit our plans to you. Not that we stop making plans and just fly by the seat of our pants, but God, that we make plans, but we hold those with a loose grip. And that when you call us to something else, that we would be willing to pivot and submit to your plan. God, thank you again for the opportunity that we've had to uh, celebrate our graduates. God, may they uh, feel your love, and may they also feel uh, the love of their congregation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.